Who's wrong and who's wronger? In this corner, followed by Millions James, the exploding unicorn breakwell. And in that corner, ignored by Millions Steve Dash, Rinko Lieber. As Brinkwell slammed the door just ahead of the wire as we hit record here. Welcome back to Wrong and Wronger, the podcast that brings you just a little... <laughs> He's still falling down a flight of steps carrying a set of drums. The, 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 the podcast, I've got to recombobulate myself here. Breakwell, obviously, is a barroom brawl on camera. But we bring you a little slice of heaven every week, and apparently James Breakwell. But James, are, are you doing okay over there? I'm worried about your physical condition, knowing how frail you've been lately. I am, uh, you know, still, still braced up over here. But that was actually me trying to be subtle and not make noise. So if I leave... <laughs> If I leave my phone on the desk, invariably somebody will call and it will buzz or beep or ding and it'll come up, you get caught in the recording. So I put it on my thigh and I was like, well, this, you know, that way it will absorb the vibration, but it fell off and thudded very loudly, which I don't even know if my actual recording is going to pick that up. The microphone over here is better insulated than the, uh, the microphone I'm using to talk to you. And so then I bent over to pick it up and then it fell off a second time. So actually... <laughs> I think you might have been responding to a commotion that maybe the listeners and viewers won't even be able to hear, although they will see me ducking out of frame in a panic. Oh, well, they can just assume it's voices in my own head then. That's that's usually a, a good assumption with you. How are you doing today, though? How's the face? Uh, the face is healing up. I can't wear my... Um my ranch glasses because they kind of hug my nose and I, I need a little air to get through here. So I'm wearing my work glasses, the ones that I wear to look professional and bona fide. And <laughs> as you know, James, there's nothing I like more than to look bona fide. I, uh, when I, when I think of you, bona fide is not one of the top 65 words that come to mind. <laughs> <laughs> is professional one of the six? <laughs> You did. Uh, you sent us another video the other day. Remind me of what the video was, because I specifically saved it to watch it with Lola, and then we did watch it. it was... Yeah, and you said she laughed at one of my jokes, Oh, yeah. and I feel like I have been elevated above you in her mind. It was the thing with the snake skin. What was, what was the corniest, yes. worst possible joke you had in there? That was the one she <laughs> laughed at. Yeah, we found a shed. And it was a perfectly intact timber rattler skin shed. So I think everybody knows snakes shed their skin every year, and that's what? how they grow. Uh, you knew that. Stop <laughs> it. Stop it. You're embarrassing us both. So usually those sheds, they have to kind of rub against a tree, and the sheds are kind of shredded. A shredded shed. Ooh. But this one was, it looked like it. the snake just sort of got it caught on one of our cedar trees, and turned itself inside out beautifully. And so the skin is perfectly intact. And uh, I made a joke that James Breakwell's wife found to be funny. And that is a feather in my cap. You know what? If I bend down and pick up the phone I've dropped twice, I could figure out what terrible joke it was. And I could read it on air right <laughs> now to what? shame you. You know what? <laughs> I'm going to pull it up. I'm curious now. Oh! What could you possibly have said to amuse her that also disgusted me at the same time? 
Well, Let's... first of all, your disgust is a given, so it doesn't matter what I say. Okay, my, my text was, she laughed at your underpants joke. She has no taste. Yes. What was the underpants joke? Well, the snake, and so the snake's outer garments were laying on my lawn. And so I said the most disturbing thing about this is somewhere at the ranch, there's a snake running around in its underpants. You have. Yes. Yeah, baby, you know that's funny. <laughs> you have brought shame to yourself, to this podcast, and to the human race. <laughs> I think we should just sign off forever <laughs> right now. Oh. You blipped a little right there. I blipped? Frank. Well, what did you say at the very end? Yeah, we never have a bad phone connection, but I'm sitting outside the small cabin here, so I'm not in my I usual spot. I think it was just an extended, disappointed sigh. I don't know that there were any words there. <laughs> well, I will say that that snake skin uh, caused just a little bit of pee to trickle down my leg when I went past it the first time because I thought it was an actual snake. Like, uh, it's hard to tell the difference. The snake is obviously a lot more bold in its coloring, but your eye doesn't, like, pick up on detail when it catches something like that out of the corner. I thought it was a snake, and when I found out it wasn't, you can imagine the relief, because I haven't had a good track record here the last month or so. I don't know why you would ever move into a place with poisonous snakes when you have a thing against poisonous snakes. I, I don't know that anybody ever has a thing for what? poisonous snakes, but I, you had to, you had to <laughs> foresee this situation. The first time you went there to tour the house, I believe you saw a rattlesnake. Like They very clearly made their presence known. Yeah, first time. And then we went like almost a full year without seeing another one. Actually, we saw one. We saw one during the interim in the spring. Maybe it was early summer. Mrs. Steve saw one up by the garage. I think we posted a picture of that. But out in the wild, like we'd never seen another one. And then all of a sudden, and I think it corresponds with mating season because that started about a month ago. But uh, that's when the boys start coming out of hiding and go on the prowl. And so they're, I guess, more obvious because they want the females to see them and go, ooh, want me some of that. You know how it was when Lola saw you for the first time preening around, James. Well, I I've got to ask, have you been out there checking the genders of the snakes? <sighs> no, which is interesting <laughs> because... <laughs> Several people have sent me, like, field guides to know which is male and which is female. But a lot of them require you to turn the snake upside down. And that's not usually an aerobic event that they wish to engage in with me. Well, when it's biting into your arm, you can just pick it up and look at the underside. <laughs> yes. It's not so much the biting. It's the chewing that really disappoints me. But anyway, so they're bopping around somewhere. And uh, for that reason... <laughs> Bow season started last week. I think I mentioned that last mm. week. But in order to go bow hunting, you have to kind of tromp through the woods a little bit. And I don't know that this is the year to do that because from what I've heard from the locals, the snake and the armadillo, FYI, I think I mentioned that last week, but the snake population has been up this year. And apparently they're getting more aggressive. I had a guy tell me that he was up in a deer stand putting it together for deer season next month. And a it was either a copperhead or, yeah, it must have been a copperhead. Those are the other ones native to this area. Actually came up the tree after him. What? So, yeah. How does... How... I don't know what's going on, but it seems like something I don't want to deal with. Okay, how does that story end? 
Uh, I didn't ask him for the end because I started retching out of just uh, knowing that there are probably copperheads on my property. I just haven't found them or stumbled upon one yet. We've come across many fat rattlers around here, and that's plenty enough for Dr. Steve to stay out of the woods. I have a very important question, though. How does a snake climb a tree? Man, I don't know the answer to that, <laughs> but I trust this guy. Well, that's this guy is a cop, and... then. Well, yeah, what's their claws, James? Oh, okay. Just be realistic. I mean, there are tree snakes. They've got to have some way to get up there, but like, short of like coiling all the way around the tree, I don't even know how they would do that. Yeah, it would be impossible for them. They're not tacky like insects are, so yeah, like, I don't know. Coil up like a spring and bounce up at him? <laughs> well... In order, he's a big dude, so in order for him to be in the tree, it had to be a pretty substantially wide tree, which means either this snake was 20 feet long or it's something other than coiling all the way around. Man, this is I, this is going to perplex me until we end this podcast and I never think of this question again. I'm just, just going to purge it from my mind like I do for every episode of this show. Yeah, that's, yeah the, the snakes have to have a way to get up there, but I've never pondered how they do that. I've never seen one do it, and if I did see one do it, I'm sure it would haunt my nightmares so I would never forget. <laughs> well. Uh, this guy's kind of a man's man, and he was a little freaked by it. Like, he said he ain't going bow hunting either, because that was the end of him walking through the woods this year. So he'll uh, go up in his tree stand and hunt deers in about uh, about a month and a half, and that'll be that for him. So is there a strike zone for snakes? Like, is it usually below the knee, or do they jump up higher? Like, could you just wear <laughs> some lower body armor and be okay? They will hit... From uh, the few eyewitness accounts that I've had of guys that have actually been bitten by rattlesnakes, they will hit you in the back of the calf, like toward the knee. Okay. So the the snakes that I've had coil up on me, they don't coil up like uh, on TV. The 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 Western Diamondbacks will sort of rear back into its coil when it's barring its fangs at you. The timber rattlers that have coiled up on or have. Uh, reared up on me actually come off the ground like a cobra hmm. to rear up so they kind of lift up about a foot and then bar their fangs and rattle and from what i understand i've never had one strike at me but they can strike the full length of the snake distance from where they're sitting so if you got a five foot snake they're about a foot and a half to two feet off the ground and they will strike up to five feet in diameter from wherever their tail rests and these these guys who had been bitten i presume they are all still alive yeah. In fact, uh, one of them described it. He said he was weed eating and accidentally stepped on a rattler. And uh, he said it felt like someone threw rocks and hit him in the back of the calf. Like he didn't even realize he had fangs sinking into him. I guess when they go in, the venom immediately paralyzes the nerves. So you don't recognize what's happening right away. And like, did he go get <laughs> anti-venom then? Or like, what? Ha could he walk? What happened from there? Yeah, we actually, in our little town, we have a hospital up the road from us. That's, a, I don't know, five or six miles. But there is a hospital that is local, and I'm quite certain they probably stock a good bit of anti-venom, most predominantly, at least from my standpoint, for the timber rattlers. But I would imagine they've also got some for copperheads. Given the fact that you were defeated by enemies such as berry bushes, have you considered maybe stocking up on some anti-venoms? It feels like you will need it near at hand. And I could see this going down at a time when nobody's there to drive you to safety. 
You know, there is, uh, so I have two responses to that. One is, you don't think about how a snake gets up a tree, or you never have before. I've never thought about, can you buy anti-venom on the open market? I don't even know the answer to that. What would it cost? What units is it sold in? More good questions. But I will say, when it comes to Mrs. Steve's availability to pump anti-venom through my veins, and her motivation... But uh, there is a program, there's a, there's, so with the hospital, because we're so rural, there is a helicopter that sits at the hospital. And it's, it, it functions both to go get people, but it also functions to take them into Nashville to go to one of the bigger hospitals. But the point is, you can buy a membership in the helicopter so that if you need a helicopter ride for a medical emergency, they'll come get you for free or for a reduced rate if you're a member of this program. And we have plenty of room here for a helicopter to land. So something happened on the property. Mrs. Steve honestly was seriously considering becoming a part of that helicopter program. So you would be like part owner of the helicopter? Is that the idea you buy an owner? Welcome back to Wrong and Wronger, the show where you don't even realize that we were gone for a minute there. But (laughs) I went, got a bite to eat, went to town, grabbed a newspaper, and all the while James was crawling around on his hands and knees under his console trying to figure out what the hell's going on from a technological standpoint. And James, are, are you on suicide watch? Do I need to take your laces? Like you and computers have not been the best of friends lately. It uh, it fell asleep on the job. I don't even know what to do about that. I just <laughs> it was just recording in the middle of recording a video. My computer went to sleep, and when it goes to sleep, uh, the the time counter on the video freezes, and I assume that means oh, it's no longer recording. But I guess we could have talked for another ten minutes with the time not moving, and just guessed if it was going to record any of that or not. I, depends on how risky you're feeling. I had. I don't know. Do you know who Rebecca Lobo is? You know that name sounds really familiar. Go ahead and continue your story, and maybe I'll pick up on it. The reason I thought you might know her is because you live in basketball country, but she is a a women's basketball, one of the first, like, superstars of the WNBA. Oh, okay. But anyway, on my other podcast, The Commute, it uh, has become a thing of legend, the Rebecca Lobo incident, because she and I were recording an episode years ago, like probably four or five years ago, and the same thing happened to me. The timer stopped, but I figure, well, surely the computer is still recording. Anyway, I had to nuke the whole episode because I only got like four minutes of the damn thing, and it was a great episode. And then I had to tell her, hey, can we record that again? And she ghosted me for the next year. Like she didn't even respond. But she ultimately came back because her husband writes has written for Sports Illustrated for like 30 years, and he came on the show, and through him, I got her to come on and redo the episode. And she was so nice and just really cool about it. But yeah, I remember having that feeling in the pit of my stomach, like I just screwed up something very important and something that hopefully I'll get back, and I did. By the grace of God, go I. I can. Uh, I, I have a story that's both better and worse than that one. So the stakes were much lower because I was the guest on the podcast, and I'm no WNBA star. I'm a nobody. So there's this uh, this podcast. I'll just go ahead and name it. Give them some free publicity. They can they can shift some we can shift some of our zero listeners from me to them. But they. Uh, <laughs> 
they uh she would interview me every time i had a book coming out so i've been on there yeah. a bunch of times we've got decent chemistry and so i went on there again to promote the chosen 12 which is a great book and everyone on this podcast who's not listening right now should buy it and so i go on there and we go through this whole uh episode and it's actually pretty thought-provoking and deep we go into some of the you know other themes of the book it's a little it's a little heavier than most of the stuff i do it was outside my comfort zone it was good it was i was putting myself out there well the recording <laughs> didn't work but I'm not a WNBA star, so I went back on that podcast and I recorded it again. And this time we went even more deeper, even more thought-provoking. Like it was an even better episode the second time. Nice. And the second well, one didn't cool. work either. Oh! <laughs> <You're> just... <laughs> Neither of those episodes ever made it out. And you know what? And she, uh, she, she has this thing where she will just send you random junk from her house, like as a, a thanks for being on a uh, gift. Like, I think you send out mugs or something. And she did that for a while, but then she just started unloading stuff. Like she sent me, I think she sent me one of those, uh, those like uh, peg games they have in cracker barrels where you jump oh, them yeah, over. Yeah. yeah. She sent me one of those that she just had somewhere on a desk. But anyway, she also, she sent me a postcard and she, she checkmated with me with my own book. So I couldn't even be mad because the part where we were going and we were being all deep and thought provoking was there was a section where there's this, this kid on this, this moon base who keeps drawing the same picture over and over and over again. And no, and, and they're talking about if they're even going to try to expand the human race or if they're going to give up. And if they give up, nobody's ever going to see any of these pictures. And her friend goes and says, well, your, your pictures only have value if people see them or does it have value because it's created because this art exists, regardless of if it's seen by one person or a million people or nobody and she sent me a postcard and she quoted that section back to me so we we had created our art our art heard by no one and it had value god dang so you never went back for a third swing at a pitch with her she did not invite me back for a third swing <laughs> i think <laughs> i think at that point she was so mortified that she will probably never speak to me again i, I had to guess <laughs> that's awesome i can't imagine groveling back to a well i'm gonna call you a celebrity here even though i know way better but yeah. Just groveling back to a celebrity to ask them a third time to be on your crappy podcast. Oh God, I feel bad for her. Let's not let's oh. not accuse her of having a crappy podcast. We're all in the bottom of the barrel together here, Steve. There's <laughs> none of us making money off of these. <laughs> well, by the way, your quote implies that this show, even though nobody but Judy P listens to it, does have value. There was an exception in the book. It said, except for podcasts by these two people. We, we carved out that niche. There are limitations wow. to art, and we have far exceeded them. Uh, yeah, but we at least were on the radar screen of a fictional character, huh? Yeah, there you go. 10,000 years from now, 6,000 light years away, somebody knows we existed. <laughs> God, how long was this podcast that you recorded with her? I think it was half an hour. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, that was, that was a lot of audio. That's a lot of talking. Yeah. And you, 
And well, you know, and she put it to me like she would. She read out quotes from my book, and I had to finish them. And I don't remember what was in there. It was it was high pressure, and I I, I got it right, or I got it mostly right. It was. Wow. Yeah, and there's no proof. There's no proof I pulled that off. There's just nothing. It's just gone. You <laughs> you only have my word. I could be making up the whole thing. <laughs> this is such a weird, like weirdly specific story that wouldn't impress anyone. I don't know why I would ever make it up. I'd like to think my made up stories would be better than this. This one this one was 100 percent real. Oh, God. You know, it's funny when you do a podcast for long enough, and you and I have a few of these stories, too, not with guests, but with malfunctions, and we've had to re-record episodes. We had a great episode that could never air. Hold on. I just had a, I had him bringing everybody over here. The uh, big styrofoam backdrop to my archery target fell over. It's getting oh. a little windy. Ugh. I'm not sure if the wind is coming through on the audio. I, I can only hope the answer is yes. But uh, there's always stories. And uh, the Rebecca Lobo incident is one of only, is one of a handful over the, I'm in my seventh year now of doing the commute. And so invariably stuff is going to happen. And I have so many stories that involve celebrities that I can never tell because either they screwed the pooch or they told me something about someone else that screwed the pooch. Like there's just a whole bunch that I think these are part of the lore that uh, you and I will talk about privately when we're sitting around drinking beer, but can never come out publicly in a, in, in a venue like this one, James, like a heavy hitting big time podcast yeah. like Wrong and Wronger. You know, exactly as many people will hear your secrets if you tell them to me here on this podcast as if you tell them to me off the air. It's the same, the same listenership. I don't know. That Judy P, man, loose lips sink ships. I think you know what I'm saying. <laughs> we should just invite her over. <laughs> just, just, Judy, just talk, I, just talk I to her directly. To tell, yeah. I have to... I have to retell this story about how Judy is the most trustworthy and loyal friend anybody can have. I think I've told this recently, or whenever you sent me that that uh, poster that's hanging next mm-hmm. to my toilet. But uh, Judy called you to get my home address. No, you called her. You called her to get my home address, and she wouldn't give it to you. This, I, well, she I, wouldn't give you my home address this to is send true. me that poster. I, uh, well, I didn't I didn't call her. I messaged her, but yes, I did. I messaged her, and she didn't trust me. She sends stuff to me all the time. She sends Christmas <laughs> gifts to my kids, and she did not trust me with your information. Which, you know, to be fair, like, she was right to doubt me. I was obviously up to no good, but also, I... El- I gave you the greatest gift that one person can give to another. <laughs> Almost to a man, every client that I have will come in at some point and go, who's that guy hanging in your bathroom? <laughs> <laughs> what is your answer to that question? I tell him the story oh. that uh, you're a quasi Twitter celebrity and you wanted to be treated like a real celebrity. So in addition to all the pictures I had hanging on my wall, you wanted your picture. <laughs> but because you're you, you couldn't send me an eight by 10 headshot. You had to send a three foot by four foot poster. So I did what I said I would do. I hung it in my office. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> It's glorious. It, it it really is. I I definitely class up the place. I suspect when you uh, when you move out of that office, you'll have to leave it with the building. Like the building's value is tied up with that poster now. 
I have thought about how am I going to move all of these pictures because all four walls of my studio are covered with glossies of celebrities that have been on my show. Not just rock stars, but any celebrity. And uh, I've got uh, all the people who haven't quite made it to celebrity hanging in the bathroom. But there's a lot of pictures in there. And I'm going to have to recreate those walls if I ever move to another space. Are you in the market for another space? No, are you kidding? The rent that I pay is uh, stupidly low given the market out in Nashville right now. So I, I'm not particularly rent controlled per se, but the landlord is old school and also very loyal. And I've been there for four years now, I think four years, and my rent has never gone up. And in that four years, Nashville has boomed when it comes to rental space and the real estate market. So I feel very fortunate to have as many square feet as I do for the dollars that I pay. This is, uh, this is good. And uh, I guess I have to ask, is your FBI laptops? You know, I live out in the country, so when I'm on my way home, I'm on a phone call that sometimes drops, and the most irritating drops are happening, are the ones that happen right when I'm saying goodbye. So I have to call the person back to say goodbye. Anyway, hey, this has been another episode of Wrong and Wronger. It is. Uh, we, we are up to the end. So just, just so everybody knows, uh, my computer sleep settings after I had to reinstall Windows were apparently set to 10 minutes. And every time it went to, went to sleep, it messed everything up, which is unfortunate. <laughs> it's unfortunate that it didn't keep recording for just another few seconds because you heard, could have heard me scream in agony as the screens went black <laughs> yet again. So I will have to combine three files. But yes, yeah, Steve, please, please, please take us out of here. <sighs> James screamed in agony. I found it kind of funny because he's the one that's going to have to deal with these three files in the aftermath. But you, you only have to deal with one file. And my God, that's going to be hard enough for anybody to do. A Herculean task. But thank you once again for joining us. Come back next week when you find out just how awful it can actually be. And we seem to top the bar every week. But until we meet again, until we occupy that little space of your brain that you wish didn't exist, this is Steve Olivas, Dr. Steve with James the Exploding Unicorn Breakwell saying thanks for watching, thanks for listening, and remember as always, two wrongs and three files can make a right. <laughs>